The Old Testament reading, I didn't want us to read until I read it to you um, because I'll be preaching on it today. And so the old, read, the old Testament reading comes from Psalm 99. You actually said the first few verses of it in the call to worship. But Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your name, an awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You, Lord, have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. The Lord our God is holy. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, we hear the call in this psalm to worship you on the mountain. Oh, Lord, we've gathered here at this time to worship you. We ask, gracious Father, that in your goodness, mercy, and grace, that you'd hear our call this day, that you'd watch us and see us and speak a word of grace to us. Lord, do a mighty work, we pray, in Jesus' name, who sits at your right hand. Amen. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. When was the last time you thought about God's reign? When was the last time you trembled before a holy God? Sure, all of us pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. But if you're like me, once you're done praying, Thy kingdom come, you're quickly worrying about your own little kingdom and never give God's kingdom a second thought. In our reading from Psalm 99, we're confronted with the Lord's reign, His kingdom, His rule. And what's so interesting in this psalm, compared to very other psalms, is, is how this rule of God is how it's described. And there's a word that's given in this psalm that describes God's reign. And that word occurs three times. Do you know what that word is? Let's see if any of you were listening. No. <laughs> the word is holy. Verse 3, it says, He is holy, as the, the Lord. Verse 5 says, He is holy. And the very end, for the Lord our God is holy. So what's the word? Holy. Holy, that's right. Ding, 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 ding. You get your star for the day. 
Holy, holy, holy. You recognize those three words, that word three times? We sang it in our opening hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall raise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful, almighty God in three persons, persons, blessed Trinity. In the Bible, there are two places where holy, holy, holy line up together. The two places, first in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah sees a vision of God and God surrounded by the cherubim. And they're singing to God. And what do they sing? They sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now, the second time that occurs is that way at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. Again, you see God surrounded by heavenly creatures. And there they're singing, holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty. But we know that three is a perfect number in the Bible. And the Lord's holiness is perfect. He is holy, the psalm says. He is holy. The Lord God is holy. But what in the world does that mean? He's holy. We say it. We know God's holy. But what does that mean that we serve a holy God? What does that mean when it relates to his kingdom? What does it mean that God is holy? Well, the word literally means separate or apart. A place is holy because the Lord has set it apart. Think of Mount Zion or, or Mount Sinai. God was there. This is holy ground. Or the Sabbath day was holy. Why? Because God set it apart. And so, so holiness means set apart. It means separate. But then we ask the question, well, what does that mean? That God is separate, set apart. When I was new to the faith, I attended a Bible study. It was taught by God who, who wanted to teach us kids about the holiness of God. And he's talking to us and we're trying to figure out what in the world he's saying. And finally he said, this is what God's holiness is like. He said, imagine a white wall that's perfectly white. It's perfectly white. God's holiness is like that. And then he said, but if a speck of dirt gets on that white wall, is that a perfect white wall? We said, no. He goes, well, that's how it is with God. God's holiness is so perfect that a speck of dirt can't be on him. Well, I like that. I said, okay, that's good. That makes sense to me as a young Christian. So I went home and I shared that with my dad. Dad, guess what? I learned what God's holiness is. God's holiness is this white wall, and it's perfect, and he's perfect, and he's set apart, and he's different than us. It's perfect, and, and not a speck of dirt can be on this white wall. Dad, what do you think? He said, well, that's interesting. And then he said, but it doesn't quite add up. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, Russ, what about Jesus? Jesus is holy. Jesus had no problem hanging around sinners. How can he be this perfect, holy, white wall, no speck of dust, and yet eat with sinners and tax collectors? So back to our question, what does it mean that God is holy? I mean, we sang it in the hymn. What does it mean? Well, Psalm 99 is going to tell us. The psalm is divided by each of these phrases, he is holy. So there's three sections. And the first section says that God is holy because he's mighty. Listen to verses 1 through 3. 
The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion, he exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. That first section is speaking of God's might. The scene is God is on the throne. And the nations, all the nations are trembling before him. Because God is so mighty, so powerful, because he's so holy in this regard, that one can't help but tremble. Well, I think that makes sense, and I think we can all understand that, that that trembling before God makes sense because he is so powerful, so strong. I know in my own life, when I was on internship, I was invited, I got the, the privilege of, of meeting Billy Graham. And I was so excited for this event. There's only going to be 100 of us, and I was going to be able to meet him. And so I got my nice suit. I bought a suit for this. And, and I told my friends, I was joking, I go, yeah, I'm going to go up to him and shake his hand and say, you know, I, I told him I'm going to become friends with Billy Graham, right? I mean, I was 22. Well, the day of the event came, and, and I was so excited, and it was going to be great. We got there, and, and I was ready to meet Billy Graham. And then it was my turn to, to come and meet him. As I stood up, my, my legs almost gave out. <laughs> and as I'm walking closer, my stomach is in knots, and I'm thinking to myself, I think I'm going to throw up on Billy Graham. <laughs> don't throw up, don't throw up, I'm just doing this. Suddenly, I start sweating profusely. So I'm coming to him, sweating, sweating, sweating. Sick to my stomach, can hardly walk. And so I, I go to shake his hand. I made sure a strong handshake. But then I said, my name is Russell. <laughs> my voice cracked. <laughs> now why? Billy Graham is just a man. But his life has set him apart. His ministry has set him apart. He is just a, like a, just a human like all of us. But he's had a profound effect on this world. And because of that, because he's set apart that way, because he has done such a wonderful thing in his life, I trembled before him. Well, that's what this psalm is beginning to say. Because God is mighty, because he's set apart, because he's greater than anything else in the whole wide world, greater than all the nations, that's part of his holiness. Because of that, the nations tremble. Because God is greater than us. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Well, God is more than simply might, and His holiness is more than might. The second thing about God's holiness is that it's more than might, it's also mercy. Listen to verses 4 and 5. The King is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. This time, God's holiness is his mercy. In fact, it says God is a lover of justice. What a great image. God is a lover of justice. That's what the prophet said to us, that God cares for the lowly. God cares for the powerless, the widow, the orphan, the poor. 
All throughout the prophets you hear this command to care for those because God cares for these people. God is a lover of the lowly. God is a lover of justice. There's a man who came to me a short time ago. He came to me and he came to my office. His unemployment had run out. And he said to me, he said, if God's so caring, then why is my unemployment running out? What a question. We talked a little bit, and as we're talking, I'm just saying, Lord, give me an answer, please. This person's broken, and he needs to hear a word, and I don't know what the word is. We're talking, talking, and then finally the word came. I said to him, you know, God cares for you a whole lot more than the government does. I said, it was the government who canceled your unemployment, not God. And I looked at him and said, God will never cancel his claim on you. That's what this psalm is saying. And the illustration in these verses is Jacob. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right, for verse 4. Think of Jacob. Jacob is that younger brother. Jacob is the, the weak one. Does the world care about Jacob, the younger brother, the weak one? No. The world loves Esau. The world gives contracts to the Esau's of this world, right? It's the baseball player, it's strong Esau, who gets the $100 million contract. But little weak Jacob, lowly Jacob, he's the one that the world could care less about. Who does the God make the covenant with? Mighty Esau? Strong, brave, old Esau? Or weak Jacob? God makes the contract with weak Jacob. God loves Jacob. God cares for the lowly. God is a lover of justice. And that's why he's constantly calling us to care for the sick, to care for the lonely. Why? Because that's who God loves, because no one else does. What is God's holiness? It is his might. But he's also set apart because he cares for the lowly, because he's merciful. And we sang that in the, the psalm, or sang that in the hymn. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. And yet there's a third aspect to God's holiness. Because so far when we're thinking of holiness, we think of holiness as set apart and so probably far away from us. But God's holiness won't be simply far away from us. God's holiness is, is, is not complete until it reaches you and grabs you and, and has a claim on you. And that's what these last verses say. Six and following. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes, the decrees he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answer them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punish their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord, our God, is holy. My favorite word in that little section, did you catch it? It's our God. He's not just the God, 
the holy one, the white wall that can't have a speck of dirt on it. God's holiness is a holiness where it becomes our God, your God, my God. Relationship language. God's holiness isn't complete until it has you. In fact, in this, this passage, we hear about this personal relationship that God makes with His people. When, when His people were butt up against the, the Red Sea, with the Red Sea on one side and the, the army of Egypt coming after Him. You have Moses and Aaron praying to God. And God answers their prayers. Or when the Philistines were attacking, Samuel prayed to God. God answered his cry. Or in the wilderness, when they felt they were forsaken, that God wasn't close to them. God appeared in, the, in a cloud by day, in a pillar of fire at night. Why? To let them know that he is near them, that he comes close, that his holiness isn't a holiness that's way off in the distance somewhere, but it's right here in your midst. My dad was right when he said, Russ, what about Jesus? Because in Jesus, we see that God isn't some distant figure away from sinners. But in Jesus, God comes so close that he puts on our humanity. And he dwells with us. And he talks with us so that we can touch him and hold him and love him and be loved by him. God is not way off in the distance. He's close. And God isn't just finished in Jesus, though he's at the right hand of the Father, which we celebrate today. He comes close even now, in this meal. As Jesus enters bread and wine in a, in a mystical way that we don't understand that he's truly there, though. Flesh and blood. Bread and wine. Why? He's there. And the, the whole words I say. He's there for you, right? This is the body of Christ given for you. Why? Because he is your God, our God. Why? Because his holiness demands that he gets close to you. To hear your cry, yes, but also to forgive your sin. Our God is holy, mighty. Our God is holy, merciful. Our God is holy, near to you, closer to you than you are to yourself. Holy, holy, holy. If there's anything that makes me tremble, it might just be the grace of God that that holy, mighty God, that merciful God would come so near to say he loves you and that he's your God. In Jesus' name, amen.